Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And first of all, I want to say, I know I have been MIA for the last couple of days because this computer outfit was down and I had a lot of updates to do and you know how it is, it's called maintenance. And I hope you missed me as much as I missed talking to you. But I am back and I'm here to tell you that it is good to be back. And if you should happen to be a new listener, I want to say hello and welcome to our show. And first of all, I must tell you, we are not a long show. We're usually here less than 20 minutes out of your day, but we will give you thousands of years of your history. And we're here just long enough for you to get to the grocery store or get to that job. And during that short period of time, I guarantee you, you will not be bored. Because I'm going to tell you some things you might not never heard before. Things that will make you mad and things that will make you glad. So stick around. I'm sure you will enjoy this show. And our civic lesson for today is about the Pope and the Catholic Church. And I am so glad that they went to Canada and apologized to all the indigenous people there about what they had done to them and the way they had used and abused their children. But what about the indigenous people here in the United States and the Indian schools they set up for them? I'm sure there are plenty graves around those schools also, depicting the damage that had been done to those young students. I mean, I hate talking about religion, and I refuse to do it on this show, but the Catholic Church, I tell you, from the way they treated their women in Ireland to the gangsters they have always had a known association with, my friends, I just do not know. Did you know that the people of the United States did not want to appoint John F. Kennedy as president because he was Catholic? And the first Catholic to hold that position. What did the Americans know? Was it the pedophiles in the priesthood? I have no idea. I just know that they will never get any of my retirement dollars. So with that being said, my friends, let's slip into darkness and find out about the miscegenation laws in the United States. In the United States, anti-miscegenation laws, also known as miscegenation laws, were laws passed by most states that prohibited interracial marriage, and in some cases also prohibited interracial sexual relations. Some such laws predate the establishment of the United States, some dating to the later 17th or early 18th century, a century or more after the complete racialization of slavery. Now, nine states never enacted such laws. 25 states had repealed their laws by 1967 when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in a Loving versus Virginia that such laws were unconstitutional. 
by way of the 14th Amendment adopted in 1868 in the remaining 16 states. The term miscegenation was first used in 1863 during the American Civil War by journalists to discredit the abolitionist movement by stirring up debate over the prospect of interracial marriage after the abolition of slavery. So typically what they did was they defined mixed race marriage or sexual relations as a felony and they prohibited the issuance of marriage license and the solemnization of weddings between mixed race couples and prohibited the officiation of such ceremonies. Not all the time individuals attempting to marry would not be held of miscegenation itself, but felony charges of adultery or fornication would be brought against them instead. And all anti-miscegenation laws ban marriage between whites and non-white groups, primarily black people, but often also Native Americans and Asian Americans. In a lot of states, anti-miscegenation laws also criminalized cohabitation and sex between whites and non-whites. In addition, Oklahoma in 1908 banned marriage between a person of African descent and any person not of African descent. Louisiana in 1920 banned marriage between Native Americans and African Americans. And from 1920 to 1942, concubinage as well. And Maryland in 1935 banned marriages between Black people and Filipinos. While anti-miscegenation laws are often regarded as a Southern phenomena, most states of the United States and the Great Plains also had them. Although anti-miscegenation Amendments were proposed in the United States Congress in 1871, 1912, 1913, and 1928. A nationwide law against mixed-race marriages never enacted. Prior to the California Supreme Court ruling in Perez v. Sharp in 1948, no court in the United States had ever struck down a ban on interracial marriage. In 1967, the United States Supreme Court, the Warren Court, unanimously ruled in Loving v. Virginia that anti-miscegenation laws are unconstitutional. After Loving, the remaining state anti-miscegenation laws were repealed. The last state to repeal its laws against interracial marriage was Alabama in 2000. 2000, my friends. Just 22 years ago, it was still against the law for white and black couples to marry in that state. The first laws criminalizing marriage and sex between whites and non-whites were enacted in the colonial era in the colonies of Virginia and Maryland which depended economically on slavery. At first, in the 1660s, the first laws in Virginia and Maryland regulating marriage between whites and black people 
only pertain to the marriages of blacks to whites. And in 1664, Maryland criminalized such marriages. In 1681, marriage of Irish-born Nell Butler to an enslaved African man was an early example of the application of this law. The Virginia House of Burgess passed a law in 1691 forbidding free black people and whites to intermarry, followed by Maryland in 1692. This was the first time in American history that a law was invented that restricted access to marriage partners based solely on the basis of race, not class or condition of servitude. Later, these laws also spread to colonies with fewer enslaved and free black people, such as Pennsylvania and Massachusetts. Moreover, after the independence of the United States had been established, similar laws were enacted in territories and states which outlawed slavery. Okay, so you you banned slavery, but you outlawed interracial marriage. Anti-miscegenation laws continued into the early 20th century. In 1918, there was a considerable controversy in Arizona when an Indian farmer, B.K. Singh, married the 16-year-old daughter of one of his white tenants. And in 1685, the French government issued a special code restricted to colonial Louisiana, which forbade marriage between Catholics and non-Catholics in that colony. However, interracial cohabitation and interracial sex were never prohibited in French Louisiana. The situation of the children, free or enslaved, followed the situation of the mother. Under Spanish rule, interracial marriage was possible with parental consent under the age of 25 and without it when the partners were older. In 1806, three years after the U.S. gained control over the state, interracial marriage was once again banned. Further radical abolitionists who organized to oppose slavery in the 1830s. Laws banning interracial marriage embodied the same racial prejudice that they saw at the root of slavery. Some historians have suggested that at the time, unprecedented laws banning interracial marriage were originally invented by planters as a divide and rule tactic after the uprising of European and African indentured servants in cases such as Bacon's Rebellion. Bacon's Rebellion, you guys, look that up. According to this theory, the ban of interracial marriage was issued to split up the ethnically mixed, increasingly mixed race labor force into whites who were given their freedom and blacks who were later treated as slaves rather than as indentured servants. By outlawing interracial marriage, it became possible to keep these two new groups separated and prevent a new rebellion. Abolitionist leader William Lloyd Garrison took aim at Massachusetts 
legal ban on interracial marriage as early as 1831. Thai abolitionists defended the measure to maintain the Bay State's legal, racial, and moral order. Beginning in the late 1830s, abolitionists began a several-year petition campaign that prompted the legislature to repeal the measure in 1843. While opposed to slavery, in a speech in Charleston, Illinois, in 1858, Abraham Lincoln stated, I am not nor ever have been in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. Now, those were Lincoln's words. Now, Arkansas, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, South Carolina, and Alabama legalized interracial marriage in some years during the Reconstruction period. Anti-miscegenation laws rested unenforced, were overturned by courts or repealed by the state government in Arkansas and Louisiana. However, after white Democrats took power in the South during redemption, anti-miscegenation laws were reenacted and once more enforced, and in addition, Jim Crow laws were enacted in the South, which also enforced other forms of racial segregation. In Florida, the new Constitution of 1888 prohibited marriage between a white person and a person of Negro descent. A number of northern and western states permanently repealed their anti-miscegenation laws during the 19th century. This, however, did little to halt anti-miscegenation sentiment in the rest of the country. Newly established Western states continued to enact laws banning interracial marriage in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Between 1913 and 1948, 30 out of the then 48 states enforced anti-miscegenation laws. Only Connecticut, New Hampshire, New York, New Jersey, Vermont, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Alaska, Hawaii, and the District of Columbia never enacted them. In State versus Passed, the Supreme Court of Arizona, interpreting the state's anti-miscegenation statute, ruled that persons of mixed racial heritage could not legally marry anyone. That means if you were biracial back then, you couldn't marry anybody. In 1958, the political theorist Hannah Arendt a Jewish refugee from Nazi Germany who escaped from Europe during the Holocaust wrote in an essay in response to the Little Rock Crisis, the civil rights struggle for the racial integration of public schools, which took place in Little Rock, Arkansas in 1957, that anti-miscegenation laws were an even deeper injustice than the racial segregation of public schools. The free choice of a spouse, she argued in Reflections on Little Rock, was an elementary human right. 
even political rights like the right to vote and nearly all other rights ennumbered in the Constitution are secondary to the inalienable human rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, proclaimed in the Declaration of Independence. And to this category, the right to home and marriage unquestionably belongs. Ardent was severely criticized by federal liberals who feared that her essay would arouse the racist fears common among whites and thus hinder the struggle of African Americans for civil rights and racial integration. Arendt argued that anti-miscegenation laws were more basic to racial segregation than racial segregation in education. First, legal segregation in the army, in education, and in basic public services fail. Then restrictions on the voting rights of African Americans were lifted. These victories ensured by the Civil Rights Act of 1964, but the bans on interracial marriage were the last to go in 1967. Most Americans in the 1950s were opposed to interracial marriage and did not see laws banning interracial marriage as an affront to the principles of American democracy. In 1958, Gallup polls showed that 94% of Americans disproved of interracial marriage. However, attitudes towards bans on interracial marriage quickly changed in the 1960s. By the 1960s, civil rights organizations were helping interracial couples who were being penalized for their relationship to take their cases to the Supreme Court. Since Pace versus Alabama in 1883, the Supreme Court had declined to make a judgment in such cases. But in 1964, the Warren Court decided to issue a ruling in the case of an interracial couple from Florida who had been convicted because they had been cohabiting. The Supreme Court ruled that the Florida state law, which prohibited cohabiting between whites and non-whites, was unconstitutional and based solely on a policy of racial discrimination. However, The court did not rule on Florida's ban on marriage between whites and non-whites, despite the appeal of the plaintiffs to do so, and the argument made by the state of Florida that its ban on cohabitation between whites and blacks was ancillary to its ban on marriage between whites and blacks. However, in 1967, the court did decide to rule on the remaining anti-miscegenation laws when it was presented in the case of Loving versus Virginia. My friends, if you have not read the story of Richard and Mildred Loving and their successful challenge to the state of Virginia, you must go to the internet and do so. It's a story that proves that love knows no colors. Love has no boundaries. Like the song says, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no rivers wide enough. And I could go on with this story for hours, but my time tells me that I got to get out of here. I must have spent too much time on my opening statements. 
But before I leave, I gotta leave you with this message. A huge part of white supremacy and white culture is about interfering in the affairs of black people. And as far as interracial marriage is concerned, I love it because I see it as awakening of people. And either the United States will destroy ignorance or ignorance will destroy the United States. Until next time, my friend, have a good day. It's been my pleasure and my honor.